guys, you are in for a real treat with this episode. Here we're going to be talking to my client, I'm her client, she's a business buddy, uh, Liz Jarvis. She's a business coach that specializes in helping business owners really get to know their numbers. And she tackles this from an amazing array of angles that most of us don't even think about our money. So I've been building Liz's content for um, for probably at least 12 months now. I've been helping her write her content. And through helping her tell her story through her marketing, I've come to really appreciate what she brings to the table for business owners in giving them clarity and confidence and financial intelligence so they can actually use their finances to help make better decisions in their business. And not by any small coincidence, her business is called better business decisions. So we're jumping in with Liz and we're going to kick this conversation off by me sharing my story about the profound impact Liz's insight and guidance had on me. And then we're going to really dive deep into where a lot of business owners go wrong when it comes to handling their finances and their record keeping and their bookkeeping inside their businesses and where they can start to take control and start to be in charge of the conversation of their business numbers. I haven't looked back since working with Liz um, or since Liz working with me. It's kind of a bit of both now. I think we both get something out of our sessions. So and I would love for you to take something away from this, whether it's better understanding of your capacity, um, a little aha moment about where you might be going wrong, and just overall a boost in confidence that you can do this. You can be the master of your money. You can be your own, your own financial guru. You just need to find the right person who can take the time to walk you through it, to explain it, and give you the empowerment you need to really own that element of your business. I can't wait for you to share this conversation with you guys. So without further ado, let's jump in. You're listening to Taking Back Joy, a more than marketing podcast. This is where we dive into how to market your regional and rural small business sustainably without being stuck to your screen. I'm your host, Meredith Page, and I was born and raised in a small town full of fantastic small businesses, and now I'm doing the same with my own family. I'm a marketing coach, a mum and a wife, and I want to share with you everything I've learned and I'm still learning about juggling a family, business growth, mental well-being and healthy boundaries. Here we market smarter, not harder, so we can take the busyness out of our businesses. If you're running a small business, raising small humans, and trying to make a big difference in a small town, you're in the right place. This is Taking Back Joy. Maybe it would help if we kind of unpacked how it is that I came to work with you. The reason I came to work with you, I think, is a really good starting point for where a lot of other small businesses find, sorry, business owners find themselves in relation to their, their in relation to their own financials, mm. because um, so for context, um, so I had my first quarter of um, Baz. I had no idea how it works, and I was well and truly prepared to just throw the whole thing at my accountant and let them charge me whatever the heck it was worth to do whatever the heck it meant, so I didn't have to worry about it. But after working with you. I really understood the value of knowing the the what and the why and the the wherefores of what was actually going on in the numbers. Because after working with you and creating your content for a while, I'd come to appreciate that um, everything everything tells a story and everything has a has a reason and a place in your business financials. So I knew from the outset, as much as I wanted to kind of just throw it at my accountant and run screaming from the building, 
I knew that there was something for me to know and understand through the process of doing my BAS. So you and I got together. We did a couple of hours where you really, and it was amazing because over that couple of hours, I feel like I had the space to kind of like pause, ask questions, clarify, okay, move on, rather than feeling like it's like, all right, I've only got 30 minutes. Let's keep this, let's get this show on the road kind of thing. So from the outset, I was able to understand what BAS and GST actually was, what the process meant, um, the, the reports within Zero that I could look to for guidance and what I actually needed to look for if they weren't correct. Because the other thing is, and we can go into this later, Zero isn't this all-powerful being that you subscribe to once a month. It's a record-keeping service, but if you're entering in incorrect records, it will spit out incorrect reports based on incorrect records. Like yes. it's not, it's not some sort of demigod encapsulated in a monthly subscription service. Yeah, so, and my biggest, and I could share this if it's appropriate. When I was working with you, the biggest aha for me from, and we can put the context of uh, I'm always observing entrepreneurs, business owners, whichever label you want to use. Um, and when you said to me, doesn't it know what to do? That was a huge penny drop for me. Ding, ding, ding. That's the biggest problem you all have right now. Because <laughs> that was the thing. I remember going through and looking at all. So it just gener- it just spat out the, the, whatever, the whatever the name of the report is, like the um, activity statement. And my first thought was, well, I know full well that I'm subscribing to some software that's based overseas that doesn't charge GST. Does Zero know that? And then you were like, that is exactly why you need to be manually handling this because it doesn't know, but most people don't actually ask that question and then find out whether Zero knows. They just assume Zero is this all-knowing being that has this weird... Ins- and I think that probably comes from tech background as well because from a technical point of view, I'm looking at going... I don't know what kind of algorithm this program could possibly be running to know that this has GST applied to it, but this doesn't. So I'm going to assume it doesn't until I can understand the algorithm behind it. Maybe that's where a lot of business owners fall over too, is because they're not super technical. They don't know at what point to go, hang on, either this is an incredibly sophisticated algorithm or this program is making assumptions that could possibly be incorrect. But the majority of them don't even think like you do. They don't have a, a tech brain, right? Mm. Um, and I'm seeing more and more that the next sort of younger set, they've been gaming. It's mm-hmm. like a game. Um, but the other thing that you should take credit for in this call, in, in this podcast, is I showed you your balance sheet. So we started with the P&L and the balance sheet because that's often where I go. The balance sheet is where I like to check whether things are right. In the balance sheet was the GST amount. You said that can't be right. Mm-hmm. I've, I've done more business than that. Yeah, like not a numbers to... brain, but I'm thinking about 10% of what I would have made in this quarter. That can't be anywhere close to correct. And what that proved to me as well is that, and that was before I had this kind of financial intelligence thing and the bit of your brain that's, you know, what that proved to me is that every business owner does have that instinctive ability. And mm-hmm, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm um, really focusing on now. Did I show you the, the um, gauge that we built? No, you'll have to. If you can, send it to me because I'll add it in as the show notes as well. Um, but I think you're 100% right that I think most, I feel like because 
I don't know if this is the correct terminology to use. I think because too many business owners are too quick to abdicate responsibility of their finances, they also then don't give their instincts enough credit. And for most, especially small businesses, Mm. their business is an extension of who they are. So they're going to have this innate understanding that no one else probably ever will have about their business because they they just don't have that intrinsic connection with it. So you are the best person to be looking at these reports going, hang on, I don't know what it is about that figure, but that can't be right. We need to do investigating there is the summary of what I thought about people being on a spectrum. And then, like, I scribbled all this stuff down and Dennis turned it into an Excel spreadsheet and then we added this. On you, Dennis. So we're kind of out of control or it's being done. We're starting to get aware and then we move into being in control. Mm -hmm. Where I want them is here, iterating as a result of interrogating, right? And you're actually Mm -hmm. there. No, (laughs) phew. Doesn't, yeah, but it's... It's actually not that hard. Well, I think that's interesting because it doesn't mean you've got to be a maths brain or, an, or a financial wizard. It's a headspace thing. It's a And it comes back to me saying we don't want you to be an accountant. So that's why I'm like not sure about the subject line of being your own accountant. It's, it's more like you need to do what you thought was your accountant's job. Mm. Okay, so let's go Let's go to that next because I think that would be a really good next step. But please send me that image. I would love to include this really amazing graph that you've developed because I think people actually have to look at them and go, oh, that's me right there. And then they can actually see where they need to get to. Like they can see where the ideal place is and they can put themselves where they need to be in relation to that. Yeah. But I think that brings up a really good next topic. Let's. I think that would be a really good place to go next is people's expectation versus reality of your financial team. And I think this should encompass both accountants and bookkeepers. But let's yeah. start with accountants because obviously most, almost every business will and should have an accountant on deck. So talk to me a little bit about what you see about people's expectations of that role. Where do you, what, do you, what are they looking for when they go to their account, incorrect or otherwise? They, there's an expectation that your accountant just does it all. Um, and knows it all. Knows it all and, and makes it all happen and knows how to improve your business and is going to share that with you. But it's not really, it's not the case at all. It, that, it used to be part of their role, but it's become not their role. So mm. compliance has taken over from the nurturing that they once did. And I remember you saying at some point, this kind of happened simultaneously with the advent of GST. Like when managing GST and liability and compliance became a huge part of the accountancy role, all that nurturing, guidance, ideas, brainstorming went on the back burner and like there was just no space for it anymore because the liability stuff was just too much. Yeah, it was a combination between GST and then later on the ATO started to uh, have different requirements of the business sorry of the tax agent somewhere in the computerization systematization and focus on the ATO's compliance requirements and the changes in financial services legislation the business owners started to get left out of the thing and Mm. it became some it became a set of financial statements that had to get done in order to keep the banks happy keep the ATO happy and all of that there used to be a conversation between the accountant and the business owner at the end of doing all the tax, which was to walk them through the financials and to um, help them to understand it and to have conversations. There was also conversations beforehand. 
that said, how did you go this year? What's going on? And, and the accountant would get an idea of what they were going to expect when they had processed all kind of Kind of like a bit of like a debrief, like you were meeting with your coach and you were kind of like prepping for the game kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the kicker when it comes to working with you is that you are so in tune with what emotions are kind of tied in at each stage of the game where so many accountants segregate emotions from numbers whereas because you understand they're such integral part of how people think act do around numbers they're very much welcome as part of the conversation and it's like look I'm going to acknowledge how you're feeling right now this is probably why let's let's even think some things out um yeah it's very important in yeah to the reason I think you know in in reflecting on the industry the reason that the accountants um don't go there is because they actually think the business owner has it under control so that's really interesting so okay now we've kind of established where accounts actually sit in reality because I know for me like most of the people in sort of my millennial I don't know where I sit anymore I can't remember what the classifications are but the advice we've been given from the generation before us is like get yourself a good accountant but they're speaking from an era where an accountant was kind of synonymous with a financial advisor like that was pre a financial advisor I guess being a separate qualification you had to have before you could give financial advice so back then and that's even more problematic because financial advice is not what you the business owner thinks financial advice is financial advice is around superannuation and investments and how to invest your money and And like sometimes all you want is like is my pricing right have I missed anything do can you just look at my pricing structure and make sure I'm not missing anything and cutting cutting my my nose off to spite my face like have I missed a line item somewhere So exactly, there's kind of not, there's not a spot to do that anymore. The accountants are too busy with compliance and everything else. Um, Business owners are too aware that their their time costs money and so they're edgy about talking to them about that. And, And this is why I'm doing what I'm doing in terms of trying to carve out a new branch, if you like, of accounting where we go back to doing those things. Um, and being able to meet the business owner where they're at with, in terms of understanding, you know, exactly the things that you're saying, like, are my margins are okay or not okay? And there's a lot of pollution in the market, I guess, um, no offence to your industry, but <laughs> with content marketing, there is so much content. Mm-hmm. And there is, there is so much content that is being used to sell services. And I think the Google ads is a really great place to see this as an example. So the people that are selling Google ads, they kind of use numbers and statistics to make it sound like you're going to make a lot of money by using Google ads. But they're not, they conveniently leave out what we call your cost of sales. So if you're selling texts online, um, they'll tell you, you know, how much Google ads and what return you'll get, but they'll forget that. Or like get started from as little as 10 cents a click, you know, like. Yeah. You actually have to pay for those textures before you can sell them. That just gets forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your Google ads becomes part of, in your chart of accounts, if it hasn't been massaged the way I suggest, it'll just be under one lump of marketing or advertising or both. And it becomes invisible. 
And so, so you don't ever actually see you like, and yeah, if you don't have a really intuitive and innate understanding of your accounting software, you'll never be able to go, okay, bring me up my Google ad spend. Now bring me up how much my manufacturing and shipping and like sort of what it takes me to get the product on, on shore. And now I'm going to get a more accurate depiction of what those Google ads are actually achieving for me. And, yeah. um, and you're right, like, and then and be, that's where having a really innate understanding of all this software comes into play is it gives you much better analysis tools to really see what is and isn't working. And when you explain this to me, it's like when people completely abdicate responsibility of their numbers to their accountant, you're missing all this opportunity to analyse and improve. Yeah, I had this huge penny drop only only the other day. I think I would, would have thought of it before. But I thought, okay, so the, the average business owner gives all that stuff to their accountant or, you know, it just electronically gets done, right? Mm-hmm. Paying them to do their BAS, they lodge their tax return. And in that abdicating kind of mentality, they never look at it. But what a massive missed opportunity, right? It's been done. It's been categorised. It's all there. And your opportunity to walk through your business and see what's working and what's not work, working, it's been, as we would say in the old days, it's just been thrown in the bottom drawer and never looked at again. Now, it's at your fingertips in behind that screen. Everything you could possibly want, including where, how much your Google ads are working on your Shopify site, But if you have abdicated to that to the accountant and you're not curious, and I really encourage curiosity, if you're not curious, you'll never know. And and sometimes it can be too late. Your business may have failed by the time you realise that those Google ads, yeah, they looked like they were working, but Mm -hmm. they were sending you broke. And And you were getting this vanity metric from Google because, hey, of course they're going to show you the most attractive-looking number in their summary report because they want you to keep investing. You really need that third party to help you analyse the true effectiveness of of it against your actual cost because, to be fair, Google Ads, they don't understand what your manufacturing and shipping costs and everything are. They can only give you a report based on what they're doing for you. But, of course, they're going to give you the most attractive number. It's like Facebook ads. They're going to give you like the, oh, you know, you reached, you know, 50,000 people with this boosted post and you're sort of sitting there going, don't feel like I felt that much in sales though. What's um, what's missing, you know? Well, I got the sale. I've got all these sales. Mm. They talk about six-figure businesses. I've got $300,000 in sales. I mean, you know, that is amazing. I've still got no money in the bank. What the hell yeah. is going on? And it's not until you dive down that you realise you've got $260,000 worth of overheads. And it's like, yeah. oh, that explains why I'm getting like the frothy bit on top and no actual coffee. Like, Yeah, or you've got $100,000 in stock that you actually haven't been able to shift. Or, you know, many there's many, many things that go on. And even if you've been really careful and assessed everything really carefully uh, and got your margins sorted out, and everything's kind of going to plan and then something goes wrong like we've had so much in COVID your your shipment wasn't coming on time so you paid air freight to get it Mm. and so that's going to throw your percentages out isn't it exactly it doesn't sound like very much money at the time but it will throw out your overall percentage and you need to isolate that when you're then looking at your business and whether it's a successful model being for, going forward. You've got to pull those anomalies out um, 
And again, I believe that comes from curiosity and wanting to answer that question. The ultimate question is, is my business doing as well as it could be? Um, because the, the thing I hate most is seeing young mums in particular in business, um, particularly if they're selling stuff as distinct from services, uh, and they are running themselves ragged, shipping, delivering, ordering, social mediaing, every everything, and there is actually no money being made. And they can't for the lot. They think I'm doing so much. Why do I have so little to show for it? So show for it, like yeah. where, where, where's it all gone? Yeah. And um, I feel like there's a whole, there's this whole emotional psychological side to having this knowledge too. Like I remember after we did our session together. The first thought I had was like, I am so glad I did this Q1 of me being registered for GST because holy cow, the mess I would have had to clean up if I'd left this for two, three, five years and then had to go back and unpick all this mess. Um, I'm so glad I had this knowledge. And what it's done for me, like I used to like log into zero, quickly reconcile what I knew with kind of squinting and half looking at the screen and then quickly log out and rack off out of there. Like I had zero desire to be in zero. For me, it felt frightening and I was always worried that I was going to find something that was wrong or it was just this paranoid fear. And then flip side, I always felt like you go to your accountant with this like hat in hand, please, sir, tell me I did a good job this year kind of mentality. And you go in there feeling very subservient and feeling and this isn't anything to do with the account I think this is the headspace we ourselves find ourselves in where it's like we've we've put so much on them like we've put so much on the account to be this divine knower of all things when it comes to our numbers and it's like us going to pay penance to them once a year come tax I'm hoping to god we didn't screw anything up but like (laughs) after I worked with you I have this completely different relationship with my finances and it's almost like I will go into zero and I'll poke around I'll run reports I'll be like oh okay Um, I'm like okay I want to be making this much a month okay well how much did I make in the last three months how am I kind of averaging at the moment okay that's that's interesting I'm tracking a little bit ahead I'm tracking a little bit behind what can I attribute that to like you go in there with this this complete 180 where you're suddenly confident you own the software the software's you feel like the software is actually there to serve you you're not there to just be a good girl and do as much as you can possible and then when you talk to your accountant you're very much coming in as a as an equal you're going there to speak to someone who is there to serve you and meet your needs and you have the knowledge and the confidence in that knowledge to go all right so I I noticed this I noticed this can you tell me a bit about this like the, the level of educated questions you can bring in with you is so much better like it's just having this knowledge does so much for your financial headspace and how you feel about your finances emotionally too that once once you've done it and you've got it you're almost like I can't believe people will go years without knowing this stuff like it's just too powerful absolutely um what you really captured there in in your experience and then how you recognize that you could have a different relationship with your accountant that is exactly what I'm wanting more business owners to understand it's kind of what the accountant is expecting you to do to come knowledgeably to them Um, and like I said before sometimes they're not having that conversation and The time I realised that was probably about 10 years ago and I helped a local business that was really struggling. So I asked to see her financial statements that I said, you should have, you know, a little bound book or something like that somewhere that you got from your accountant. 
and I had a look at them and said to her, and, you know, the shop was busy, everything was going on. I'm like, I can see why you're struggling. Did You've made a significant loss here. Did your accountant speak to you about that? No. No, my accountant's encouraging me to expand. I'm like, really? And so, you know, we both of us took a bloody deep breath and reassessed what the hell was going on with her business. Now, she had been, you know, um, taking lots of advice from lots of different people about how things should be done. Where we expect the accountant will have that conversation with us and tell us if something's wrong, the truth is they're human beings. And, and they don't want that uncomfortable conversation any more than anyone else does. And, in fact, the, the really modern stuff, that allows them not to have that conversation because mm-hmm. you're... And if the liability stuff's taken care of, well, their job is done. Yeah, and actually, you know, in that scenario, you might be getting a tax refund and you think your accountant's done a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Ka-ching, well done. I'm going to see you Ka-ching. next year. You got I've me got a, a refund. I've got a refund. Well, when you're in business, you shouldn't be getting a refund. Yeah, it's like what because it, it's almost as bad as a debt because it means you've missed something. Well, it means that the quarterly installments of tax that you've been paying were too much for the profit that you made. Mm, so either you've overestimated your tax or you've underestimated your profit, and either of those things should be a red flag. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also, I think we also need to be kind of mindful of the the business model that the accountant's firm is running as well. Like I know full well that my portfolio has been given to like a junior accountant and then is simply overseen by a senior accountant before it comes to me for the review. So that junior accountant, I mean, they're not an entrepreneur. They're a junior accountant. They're working inside a firm. So they might be doing a really good job as a junior accountant, but they're not going to, they're not going to be in the headspace of, oh, I should flag this because this business owner should know about this from a business because they're not a business owner. They're not going to have, they're not going to be bringing a business owner's mindset to your financials. They're going to be bringing a junior accountant's mindset to your financials. So you can't expect them to notice things that, a business account, a business owner would like to know if it's not on the radar of a junior accountant. And then if the junior accountant hasn't flagged it as a gross financial error or mispayment or something like that, then the senior accountant that's doing their final check, because again, they're trying to grow a, a, a grow, they're trying to grow a business that's working smarter, not harder. So the idea is that they bring juniors on to do a lot of the legwork and then the senior accounts are the customer facing ones. Mm. Um, so if has it been flagged by the junior accountant, then the senior accountant might pick up on it either because, hey, there's no point them doing everything again. You don't run a successful business, growing business, doing that, just rechecking the yeah. junior's work. So that's where it can slip through the cracks because, and again, the accountants are thinking, you're running the show, I work for you, which th- that's exactly right. The accountant yeah. the accountant does work for you. They should assume you're running the show. We just need to get out of this headspace of thinking the accountant can know, see and do everything and we're beholden to them for complete guidance. We need to be the ones driving the car. 
Hey guys, I wanted to let you know about the free marketing masterclass I'm running in February 2022, and it's based around what platforms do small businesses need. Now, I'm sure we can all relate to getting lost down the rabbit hole of Googling around, trying to figure out what to sign up to, where to start, how does it work, what do all the buttons do? Well, after working with tons of small businesses, particularly in regional and rural areas, I've isolated my go-to platforms that I think every small business should have access to and control of, just to get you started with the basics that are going to give you the most bang for your buck. If you're ready, sign up today. You can head over to my website and register to join. It's absolutely free. And I can't wait to see you there. Yeah, absolutely. You want to be in the driver's seat and in, you know, in control. That's where I want to get um, business owners to is um, really taking control of that, that relationship. There's, a, there's another thing that you wouldn't be aware of um, and the only way I can sort of bring it to light is a historical context. So juniors in accounting firms, yeah, they've always been around. You know, I was one at the very beginning. I was the bottom, absolute bottom line of the audit team. What happened when do-it-yourself came in? Uh, first of all, MYOB, but much more so the other, the products we have now, zero, et cetera, et cetera. The operator isn't even a junior accountant and isn't being isn't being um, supervised by an accountant with the context of accounting. Or he doesn't even have that basic junior accounting training. Like anyone, anyone who listened to this can relate to the idea of logging into Zero or QuickBooks and going, all right, I don't know what 50% of the words on this page mean. I just hope I'm putting these in the right boxes, you know. That's right. So it's it's a business owner or um someone that calls themselves a bookkeeper if they're if they are a trained bookkeeper there won't be a problem but if they're not what the junior accountant ends up doing they sort garbage can you imagine what a life that is and unfortunately we're losing a lot of good people I know a few people that uh, went to university to be accountants and then got to see the reality of sorting garbage. And it was essentially like someone had just given them a bag and it was like red bin, yellow bin, green bin, red bin, yellow bin, green bin. Like, and that that was their life for no, no, three no, years. No, 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 no. It's like inside this pile of shit is something important, but I have to wash all the shit away. They haven't even it. rinsed their recycling. Like they haven't done the one thing that we all know you're supposed to do. <laughs> so, and, and that's, that's sort of how I started to recognise what we, is going on with the industry. Now, there's not much we can do about it except to educate business owners that abdication wastes time, wastes money. I mean, giving actually giving everything to the accountant and not touching it is probably better than trying to do it yourself. Just, but, but, like, but I guarantee, sorry to interrupt you, but I guarantee people in that headspace are trying to cut costs. So they're like, I'm going to do half a job by myself because I think I'm saving myself money and time and then I'm going to give the scraps to my accountant. So, But what the accountant's actually getting is scraps, not the full story, and there may be a gaping hole in the middle that you think you've, you've covered to save yourself costs and it's not going to show up straight away, but 10 years down the track you could bet your money it's going to show up then, it's going to show up huge, it's going to get bigger. Yeah, and there are different ways that can show up, um, which we won't go into tonight. Um, we don't need to scare anyone. <laughs> no, no, but you're right. It does, 
the, the thing is, on, on the flip side of all of that, having said that, I actually think the business owner like you, Meredith, is the best place to process their transactions because they know what's going on in their business. And as we give them permission to make the chart of accounts, so that the chart of accounts is the names of the accounts that things go into. They Some are on the profit and loss statement and some are on the balance sheet. When you start to name those accounts in a way that's meaningful to you, the whole thing becomes meaningful. And then you're the one choosing which bucket it goes into because it's meaningful to you. And that, what that essentially equates to is high quality data and high quality analytics of your own business. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And again, the reason I, the, the, the time that penny dropped for me was to do with dairy farming. Uh, I was going to do a presentation to a young dairy farmers group and I was chatting with the, the lady in charge. There is a, a, a standard um, name on a chart of accounts, which is seed fodder, sorry, seed fodder and fertilizer. So in a farm, they are very, very different things. But somewhere along the, the line, when we standardised our chart of accounts for computer reasons, some smart person decided they all go together. Now, that's how the chart of accounts in your zero, your myob or whatever is going to do it because that's the standard. That's the out of the box you get. You get like these generic names and it's up to you to then tweak and refine and tailor them. Yeah, but what happens generally is the business owner has so much anguish about where should, where does this go? Mm. Where do they, the big they, where do they want me to put this? That's it. It's like, what am I, what, what's the, where, if I put this in this box, is the account going to pat me on the head and tell me I did a good job? Like not, oh, where should I put this to give me the most accurate depiction of where this sits in the grand scheme of things? Like where does this, where should this sit to best serve me? Where does this best sit to maximise my expenditure and my accountant? Well, where does this best sit to tell the story of my business in a way that is meaningful to me? Mm. So coming back to marketing and advertising and the seed, fodder and fertiliser, they, they need separating in order for you because if it's all dumped in one thing, um. You're not going to bother to look at it. And, and the irony of this is the ATO only needs, there's about 10 fields that go into the P&L area of the ATO. Everything else is other, right? There are things that they want to know about. There are wages, cost of goods sold, uh, repairs and maintenance, because they used to pick on that a lot, a few other things. And then everything else just goes into this bucket. So it's not it's not the ATO that we're trying to give the right information to. Mm. We're still trying to fit into this chart of accounts that somebody else has done without realising that we have every right to massage those words to be meaningful to us and group them in ways that are meaningful to us. And even me, like 10, 11 years ago when I was working on a, a very big farm and working with the business owner around that, I was too scared to change the chart of accounts because I know how important it is. But it was, again, eye-opening that, hang on a minute, the chart can change to suit the owner 
there are some things, if you're a bigger organisation, you don't want to just change it willy-nilly. You might, and, and your comparisons will, you know, if you want to have a damn good look at your chart, do it sort of at the beginning of the year. Or if you do do it, add new accounts, leave the old ones there. So um, another client's adjusting systems. And I said, just start a whole new set of account numbers, you know, uh, with a prefix of two or something like that, so that you can see all the new stuff coming out of the new system. Hmm. The old stuff as comparisons is just in a different set of different set of numbers. Yeah, so that data is still there, but it, you know it's historical data based on the numbers you're allocating everything. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, I probably got a little bit overcomplicated there, but no, I think I think anyone who's had at least a little bit of a dig around in zero can appreciate the fact that the chart of accounts. It's really just like the names you put on the buckets for things that you put from your business in to get a sense of whether, like how much you're spending on them and whether that makes sense in the grand scheme of things. Um, so what would what advice would you give if you've got like a business owner who's got this, and again, because we're so intrinsically linked to our businesses, especially in the smaller side of things, if they've got this underlying feeling that something is not quite right or they're just simply sick of feeling like, every time they go to see the accountant, they get like going to the principal's office vibes. Um, what would you suggest they do as like first point of action to start moving in the right direction? They should, uh, if they have a bookkeeper, they should start to ask those questions of the bookkeeper. Uh, if they don't and the accountant's the only one that they have, they should still ask the accountant. But if that is a terrifying experience, I would say reach out to someone like me the problem is there's not many like me so I'm just kind of making this well it's not your fault industry. you know it's a gaping hole in the market is it <laughs> um but yeah the, I guess what I usually say is you know be curious be um be courageous uh and and don't let that gnawing feeling in your gut that something's wrong um you know, do something about it because generally the, the business owner's gut's pretty good mm. um, and unfortunately we can't run our business just on our gut but but the gut telling us this this story of my business, these numbers don't look right. Where You know, where is such and such? Um, I must have spent more money on, on fuel or something. Another thing mm. that can quite often happen is if bookkeepers are doing it for you, and you haven't told them where you want things to go, they will make their own assumptions about where they should go. Now, they have been trained by the ATO as to what is deductible and what's not deductible at a very high granular level, actually. But it is not their place to make those decisions on your behalf. And what will happen as a result of that is stuff that they don't understand or that they think is not a business expense, and this could apply to motor vehicles and stuff, like fuel, oh, they don't use the car for business. I'm not going to put the fuel in uh, fuel expense. I'm going to put it in drawings. And then all of a sudden you've missed out on all this deduction. When you've had a conversation with your accountant who said, yes, you can have the car in the business. Yes, put everything through there. We do an adjustment for fringe benefits tax at the end of the year. I've seen files where that has happened and where it's been inconsistent from one quarter to the next. Um, or that that bookkeeping service 
has then allocated a new staff member to do that bookkeeping and they've got a different set of ideas and they just treat it differently. The, um, the beauty of the rules and things that are in zero is if they are used well, all of that will be automated and we'll know where to go. But I really believe the business owner should be part of that decision. Because mm. it's only the business owner that really knows whether or not, you know, that really knows how their business runs and how they want to see things in what sections. Um, I suppose I feel like we probably almost could really wrap up on that too, but I feel like the only thing I would add is that um, from what I know, I've having worked with you, worked on your content, um, had the benefit of having your expertise on my business is to really understand that your account is there to serve you, not your, not the ATO. The account is there to serve you. The accounting software is there to serve you. Your bookkeeper is there to serve you. You don't, you don't owe these platforms or these people anything. They're part of a team. They're the Avengers that you've assembled and they're there to meet the needs of your business. And anything else should really be secondary to that. And I think once you make that head switch, you realise that you are really, in fact, in charge of the show here. And yes. you need these people working with your best interest. You need to be given these people a framework so they can work with to the best interest of your business. That's right. It's it's a little bit like, you know, you don't take an employee on and not tell them what to do, although we, we do tend to do a bit of that these days. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, and, and accountants really respect when the business owner comes back with, with a level of knowledge. So an example a client who's, who's doing particularly well and wants to um, buy a house next year could mean paying a whole lot of tax. And so I brought her attention to certain sections of the Tax Act that are designed to help sort of smooth the, the timing of things. Uh, and she went back to her accountant with that and they were just so grateful mm. that she understood this uh, 25 year loan option uh, and that was uh, that she was bringing it to them um, and was able to have a conversation about it so obviously she couldn't have done that all by herself it came up in the curiously examining everything that she was doing and what like I start my um, if I'm doing a program with clients, I start with what I call a weak diagram, wildly important gold diagram, which says, well, what do you want to do? And in her case, she said about the house. So I had that front of mind the whole time. I knew that was what she wanted. And so naturally my brain ticked around to, okay, we can do this, but it, you know, we need to minimise the tax, the lifetime tax of you having to get that house. But so, again, you being the financial person in the room, you needed her to set the goal to then you be able to bring your expertise to the table and go, okay, well, if that's the goal, if that's where you're headed, here's how we can make that work. But okay. if she hadn't taken that position of authority in the conversation and gone, well, this is where this L needs to go, you wouldn't have known to dredge that information up. No, no. And see, again, in the, in the older days, um, before billing was kind of done, obviously in six minute intervals it always was but it wasn't you sort of got a bill after the end of the year and things were lodged but again technology has meant that you know bills get spat out along the way and so people get worried about the time they spend with their accountant in that time you talk about your life your kids where, where things are going what you're 
you know, what, what the big, are. bold, sort of audacious goals are. Ideally, that is what you talk to your accountant about. And then they are in a position to help you get there. Mm-hmm. But if you go, God, we sat there for an hour and he asked about my kids and I, that's not what I'm paying for. Well, actually, mm. it is part of it. And that those conversations about kids, there's tax planning stuff going on in our heads. There's, you know, there's um, calculating how much you need to live on. All this sort of stuff is going on in the back of the mind of an accountant when they have what appears to be, you know, a conversation about the weather or whatever. I can't think of what that is. Yeah, if you think it's just small talk to That's a, to a service, but like to a to a good service provider, it's not them for them. It's not small talk for them. It's just painting a clearer picture of what they need to do for you, and it's a real interest in you mm. and your business. And where you're going and it's a shame if we lose that in the industry because as you started this um conversation in the old days you were always told you need to get a good account and that was part of why mm. that was to have this financial brain in the loop with everything that was going on but they could just come at it from a financial angle for you yeah yeah so the industry's kind of been broken up a little bit into segments um but yeah you know, I'm hoping to solve that puzzle of getting, still having a holistic accountant somewhere in the mix. Um, and that is, you know, what I do for my clients on top of their accountants. Um, we, we provide that service. I think it was really special about working with you, though, is because it was like, all right, we're going to set aside, you know, 90 minutes. But you've always, you've kind of got this thing about you where I think it's because you acknowledge the emotional side of things, because you acknowledge like that, the entrepreneurial life is no by no means a straight line from A to B. All that kind of made the wacky, the I don't know if this is a stupid question moments, all that kind of made it okay. And so from like coming out of the side of that experience, I would highly recommend everyone find someone like that who can create that kind of space and breathing room to ask those questions. Because if you have that question, if you have that question in you, you're obviously looking for the answer. And so you need to find someone who's going to make room for you to find that answer and then put it into practice because it, otherwise it's just going to be an unmet need within you. And that could very well be linked to something you're sensing going on with your business on an instinctive level that needs to be addressed. Yeah. And um, I even like the woo-woo stuff, you know, um, which is a big stretch for an accountant. And admittedly, I have had to let down the professional persona that was so drilled into me from day one um, and actually use the language that is more uh, meeting my client where they're at. Well, it's just the mark of a good service provider, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a lot more spiritual talk now in entrepreneurship and talk about your purpose. I'm losing my voice now. Um, your purpose, how your business serves that purpose, how the universe takes you in a different direction. And I think all of that stuff's important. It comes into those goals and strategies that you're doing. And if we don't talk about the woo-woo bit, then we're not hearing the whole story and we're not mm. as able to help you as, um, as we would otherwise be. We're leaving this big chunk of ourselves and our intuition on the table unacknowledged when it could really only be enhancing the conversation if we kind of welcomed it in. in. Absolutely. That enhancement is exactly. You're so good with words, Meredith. 
I feel like we could talk about this for about the next two days straight and still not cover everything and still not give everyone everything they could possibly get out of you. So where can people catch up with you, find you, book a session, get a much needed session with Liz to kind of help them level up intellectually? Okay, I'm pretty easy to find. The business is Better Business Decisions. We have a website. Um, we also have a Facebook page. I personally have a Facebook page um, and we have an Instagram page. So, and we have a, a good old fashioned phone number that you can call <laughs> in the office. Kick it old school. I also have a um, mobile and I have email, liz at betterbusinessdecisions.com.au. So reach out in whatever your native manner is <laughs> um actually the quickest way is to ring the office between nine and three and sharon can book you into a spot otherwise we get a bit of telephone tag going on or diary diary comparisons but um yeah the first place would be just a quick chat with me and then i can give you direction as to which one of our services you're best suited for and after that you'll never look back i can almost guarantee it Thank you so much for just, and like knowing now what I know about your capacity, what people have gotten now is just like a small snippet of what's possible, but hopefully it's enough to put a rocket up and, and hopefully get, get at least started on this financial intelligence journey. Because once you get started, you won't look back. You will just constantly thank yourself for having gotten started because of the confidence and the knowledge you'll amass along the way. And the confidence, not even just the, like the knowing stuff, it's the, confidence to ask questions knowing that you have the capacity to understand the answer yeah absolutely and um it doesn't matter how big how small how old how profitable or any of those things your business is there you still have the right to ask questions and get a better financial intelligence around it because it helps no matter where you're at whether you been in business for 50 years. Um, I rescued a business like that recently or a couple of years ago, or whether you're just starting out and you want some guidance and uh, reassurance that you're, you're heading on the right path before you quit your job. So it doesn't matter where you are in business. Um, I'm very keen to help you to take the Thank you for joining me for another episode of Taking Back Joy. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to leave me a review because it helps me reach other small business owners just like you. The feedback I receive from listeners only makes me more determined to keep creating episodes that make your marketing more efficient and more effective without being stuck to your screen. Thanks, guys. See you next week.